Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to Ancient Paths and Regenerative Thinking. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots. And it is Friday, April 28th in the year 2026. Did I say 28? Heck, I don't even know what date it is today. It is 28. What do you know? In the year 2023, I'll get it right. We are in a really interesting time as we awaken to the greater depths of corruption and the way in which our world has truly been manipulated and how it has also shaped us in such a negative way. We have an amazing opportunity here as we move forward, as we face some of these greater threats of AI, the continued division of humanity through cultural racism and all this other nonsense that they keep pushing at us, including gender snipping and whatever else they can invent. But we have an opportunity to really start reestablishing a way forward, which is really more about ancient paths and understanding how to get back to where we were as humanity and to move forward both in a conservation and stewardship that doesn't just tie to our lands, but it ties to our way of life. We're going to discuss all of that tonight. Patriots, one of the things that is very real is the war on food, and that's part of breaking the will of people to submit them to the foot of the masters, these masters of the universe that are so convinced and so concerned about us thinking free. They don't want us thinking free. They want us submitting to their will at any cost. And so with that, they understand very well that if you control the food, you control the people. And they're doing all of this in preparation in, as they destroy the food sources, the food supply chains, trying to change the money system to bring people to their knees. Each person needs to have in their hands a baseline of food supplies that is mobile and long-term. And the best way to do that is to get the type of products for emergency that My Patriot Supply offers. Patriots, anyone who thinks they won't need emergency food isn't paying attention. Every day, the headlines get worse and worse. Is the unthinkable next? It pays to prepare. That's why I seriously recommend you stock up on emergency food right now. You never know when the next shoe will drop, and when it does, emergency food will be hard to find. So get yours now while it's on sale. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and check out their popular three-month emergency food kit. Right now, you'll save $200 per kit. Each kit gives you a wide variety of delicious breakfasts, lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks, providing over 2,000 calories a day for optimum strength and energy. Act now and claim your $200 savings per kit. You'll sleep better knowing your family won't suffer if the worst ever happens. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and you'll enjoy free shipping too. MyPatriotSupply.com. Patriots, no time to waste. Sovereignty begins with food security. Check it out, mypatriotsupply.com. We really need to have that under our belt and getting this as secure as we can with our food sources. And we'll talk in, that'll be part of tonight's discussion. 
I want to begin with just a glimpse at the expansion of the awakening. If you know Dr. Drew, and I've always been kind of on the bubble with him for a lot of reasons, but you're starting to see this sudden awakening hit into places that I would have called centrist to moderate liberal and even to the fringe of the extreme of liberalism. People are starting to realize that, yeah, there was a whole bunch of lies told and there needs to be accountability. Take a listen to this. I just want to say that I'm having the strangest emotional reaction to this material because on one hand, I am mortified meets disgusted with what we've been through and what we're learning was happening and how I and fine I I'm okay with these people saying we didn't know then why the certitude why the why why the destruction of anybody who had alternative opinions why get out there and say categorically this is so and what do you not understand how media works do you not understand the impact of your words it reminds me of the guys uh, signing the uh, Hunter Biden uh, thing about yeah, we, documented they, they, like, we didn't know. We were, just, we were just saying it looked like Russian misinformation. We're just saying it looks like it. This, this is, is bullshit. Incredible. This is bullshit. Yeah, this is. is incredible. We have to hold these people accountable. The RFK said something incredible yesterday. He said, they, somebody asked him, what would you do as president if you were to bring, bring this country together? You know what he said? Get them to stop lying to us. Stop lying. Stop lying and we'll kind of come together on our own. It would make a huge difference. And by the way, explain yourself and apologize. I'll accept it, but stop lying. The people that have sat on the left and in the center point that we're walking into this narrative are now being shaken by the fact that the institutions which they counted on and trusted have lied to them. They put their faith into an institution of men, and as a result, they've paid a price. These people are dealing with the realities at the same time, like we've talked about in many ways, of the fact that they've taken a bioweapon, the fact that people are dying from the bioweapon, and that they themselves have that same clock ticking within them. This is bubbling and brewing. And the problem with this is that there's, it's going to be a very reactive state of existence. And you've heard me talk about this before, that the most dangerous people that will emerge out of this are those that suddenly awaken from the consequences of trusting in an institution of men, not questioning, and being obedient to a propaganda media system. That becomes a dangerous place for all of humanity because their reactive and emotional responses will ultimately become violent. We need to start thinking differently and leading the way on this. And part of that is a principle which is in our seven pillars of county by county, a principle of thinking that is centered around stewardship and conservation. That's not just limited to soils. It's about how we manage our societies. It's about how we manage ourselves. I want to look at another glimpse here of just some of the other things that are going on for a very particular reason. We have a very big misnomer going on here that the things like Bud Light commercials and the Tucker Carlson things, that somehow patriots are going to win the day because this go woke, go broke concept is going to force corporations out. Fact of the matter is that that's not actually playing true at all. And the reason for that is that the financial structure is built on what they're now calling the ESG score. And this ESG score is what it requires them to be environmentally and socially geared so that they can be more compliant to this new world where there is a transgenderism plurality, where the environmental scores are stacked up. And in order to get financing from big companies, which will represent approximately $54 trillion in the near horizon, 
they are going to have to comply to an ESG score, which is on par with the social credit score. This pathway we are now entering into is a comply to them and play their game or a separate from them and walk in a kingdom space to build a world around the concept of stewardship and conservation. This challenge that we have is separating from the narrative and the things that we want to believe in the power that we have and missing the point of the real power that we own. So let's start by just listening to this one perspective on the ESG score, the concept of go woke, go broke. Why did I say that firing Tucker Carlson was not bad for Fox News, just like having Dylan Mulvaney be the spokesperson for Bud Light was not bad for Bud Light? This is a really tough pill for conservatives to swallow, but the mantra, go woke, go broke, is not true. When the financial reset is complete, there will be no such thing as a fiduciary responsibility to shareholders. Even as it is now, the majority of shareholders are all the same monopolizing companies, <clears throat> BlackRock. So the only way to understand what seems to be completely idiotic decisions being coming out of the C-suites of these corporations, the only way to understand it is to understand it through the ESG score. And once you understand that, you know, these aren't bad decisions. These are strategic excellent decisions that will lead to their ultimate survival and longevity as a company. So how do corporations boost their environmental social governance score now? Well, they do things like lose $4 billion now by bumping up their score with Dylan Mulvaney as their spokesperson. She's dead on. And so what is happening right now is there's a provocative nature of things to continue to push people into these corners. And in so doing, divide and conquer even more. Budweiser may delete a brand, but you're not going to destroy Budweiser. And Fox News may delete a show. And even Fox News itself may rebrand itself, but you're not going to destroy Fox News. 15% of Fox News is owned by BlackRock. And that's where the real money's coming from is Vanguard and BlackRock. That's the real target. All this other stuff is noise. And they're just shuttling around big monies, just like the lawsuit between Fox News and Dominion, all that was was a movement of money. And in the, and with the benefit for them of creating the perpetuation that the election on one side was real and on the other side that this was more lies. So we could continue to throw the spike in the middle of humanity and humanity continues to bite itself and attack itself while the big money people play us all to the middle. This is the problem that we're having because we're not looking at these problems from a larger perspective of how to create a, a stewardship and a regenerative environment where we are winning by doing the things that are right within our world. I want to give you another perspective on this ESG score. It's an interesting one and just kind of give you more details to exactly how significant this is on the bigger strategic view of this corporate world in which we're all participating in. Now everyone has heard that Fox News fired Tucker Carlson, and here's why it's great news. People are speculating that the firing was a result of the Dominion vs. Fox News lawsuit. Others that he was fired for criticizing BlackRock, and Twitter has pointed out that BlackRock owns Dominion and Fox News. In fact, they have a 15% share of the entire company. And because of that, Fox News has been filing 
ESG reports. You're about to understand why every company in America has gone woke. ESG is a type of investing that stands for environmental, social, governance. And according to Bloomberg, investment firms will hold $53 trillion in ESG assets by 2025. And here's why it matters to all of us. That $53 trillion will only be invested in companies that are environmentally and socially responsible. Hence, ESG, Environmental Social Governance. It's why Fox News' latest ESG report shows that it's gone woke and why companies like Bud Light launch ads like this. So is it BlackRock? Is it Dominion? I don't know. But what I do know is that people are asking the right questions and starting to look in the right places. Because we shouldn't be asking who's corrupt and who's not. We should be seeing that six companies control nearly every television network, and that BlackRock and Vanguard have leverage over those six companies. It's why so many companies don't worry about boycotts, because the investment money is controlled from the top. And that's the bottom line. We're dealing with a magnitude of, of money that most people can't even comprehend. And this sounds in a way, and as, as it is right now at this moment, probably very disempowering. But in fact, it's huge opportunity if we start to realize what's before us. The road that we're facing right now is a split, and it's a pathway ahead. On the side of social engineering, social score, ESG, whatever that is, the ESG score, environmental, social, and governance, sorry, there is part of that entire package is the wrapper of artificial intelligence, and it's the way that they want people to go. And with that comes the digital currency. It comes all these compliant issues and ultimately a migration of people into the cities and a total control of humanity. That'll probably include some form of chipping or digital chipping or so forth. There is another road like I've talked about, kind of a center path. And the center path's the same thing. It just sounds a bit different. It sounds better. It sounds AI will work for us. AI will be a benefit to humanity. AI, AI will make peace with things, will do things for the good of all, but you'll have a choice in it. All of these things ultimately lead us to similar ends, which is, humanity willfully walking off the cliff into the pits and bowels of hell. The elites know this. And what they don't want people to be looking at is another path. This is one of the reasons they're trying to make it so difficult to survive without them. And they're moving quickly on it. Like I said, remember, this is, this is a war between elites. You are not hearing either side of the party, whether you want to define that as red and blue whether you want to define that as Trump and Biden, whether you want to try define that as America first or socialism, each of these groups that are running, the elites there, are looking to control humanity. What we need to be doing is shucking off all the governments and all the elites, getting rid of them. They can go onto an island somewhere and live happily ever after. And we, the people, need to find our way forward to find a balance to overcome these differences and start solving the problems together. We don't need corporations and politicians dictating to us of how these problems are going to be solved. We need to come together and resolve them. And it means really getting our hands dirty, not just sitting behind a desk programming some AI and trying to solve it for us. Keep in mind that a lot of the people that are driving the engine of artificial intelligence that are participating now in this, everyone has heard whoops, that Fox News are being, are excusing, are being driven by the fact that they themselves have never experienced the true benefit of humanity in coming together in a collective good. Their idea is to find some surrogate. They have no relationship with God, most of them, 
and they're looking for a surrogate to solve the problem for us. And that's where we get all tangled up in this. There is a principle in agriculture, which is important to look at here. And it's a principle of regenerative agriculture or holistic management. And I want to bring it in here tonight because it's obviously, with for me, it's near and dear because it's what we're looking at at this property we have and how to handle, how to manage the cattle better in a better way in the midst of a war that's being waged on beef. But I think there's a lot of wisdom in this to look at for humanity as a whole in everything that we do. What it's going to require is that we have to shift our paradigm of thinking. Right now, we are in this, what I call the Luciferian pendulum. It's a back and forth issue, constantly looking at the fact that we are being swung between one side good, the other side bad, one side bad, the other side good. And it's a back and forth. That's not really how world the world works. So let me give you an idea. First of all, let's just talk about cattle grazing and I'll apply it so you understand in a very tangible way. If you take a, a group, a herd of cattle and you put them on a, on a set, on a pasture, whatever size that is, there's two things that are going to happen over time. You're as there is overgrazing, you're going to cause a depletion of what the soil's ability to regenerate. And as you have a constant grazing on the same place, you're going to have a degeneration of your herd quality. You're staying in the same place. You're going over and over in the same place. And over time, both the land and the, and the herd descend into lower health, and unrestorative measures. Right now, humanity's in that space because we are allowing the elites to define the fencing and the borders of who we are. We are allowing the elites to tell us what the narrative is. So we're literally sitting here feeding over and over on their garbage and at the same time, lowering our overall effectiveness of humanity because we're starting to see the outcomes of not thinking outside the box outside the limit of our pasture. When we get into the concept of holistic management and regenerative agriculture, what we have to start doing is changing the way we see everything, for that matter. We have to start getting in touch again with nature, for one. We have to start paying attention to what grows, and not only what grows, but at what rate things grow in our, in our pastures. And then we have to look at our herd size. And with our herd size, we need to be looking at what is their grazing potential and how many, uh, how many small pastures can we create on our land so that when we move them off, there's enough time for the pasture that they were on to regrow with st strong grass, not just a little bit of seedlings. Now, cattle are like humans in a strange way. When you put them onto a field to graze, the first thing they do is their first pass of grazing is that they look for the best, the easiest grass to grab. And they so they'll graze through and go for the most opportune things. That's the way headlines and news works all the time. We are out here constantly. People are cherry picking the hottest stories, the craziest things to tell, the things that excite everybody up. What we're not doing well is looking at the deeper issues that are moving us and affecting us as a society. One of those big things right now is that we are being literally herded into a corral to be branded, to be tagged, and ultimately to be slaughtered. 
That's, that's what's happening. And they're doing it by degrading everything in our world that we are allowing them to degrade. And they're wearing us down. And in the process, we're not seeing opportunity. When we're going to start talking about a regenerative model in agriculture, let's take the 80 acres that we're working with right now. I haven't finished the calculations on this, but approximately, this is basically it. On the 80 acres, to sustain that operation with approximately 30 to 35 head of cattle, we need to be moving those cattle on a 15-acre, which is about a half an acre per cattle, 15-acre parcels or pastures, and we need to be moving them about once a week. And as we do that, if there's enough of those pastures, which ideally there'd be about six, we're going to be able to rotate them in a a period of time, which is about 45 days, to allow the first pasture to regenerate and grow stronger. We're going to, and with that, there's some other neat benefits because as the cattle eat there and they have their manure on the ground, we're, we're giving them the best opportunity for the grass, moving them to the next field. And then as they walk around that field and their manure settles in, they're opening up the soil with their hooves to allow new growth to come in and the fertilizer, which is their, is their manure, to work into the ground. When we add some mechanical issues to that, like putting a chain harrow on your ATV or your tractor and being able to roll that through, we can spread that manure out and create a area out in the field, 15 acres, each, each pasture can be boosted so it regenerates even more fully. That in, its, in the parallel to humanity is that we have to be starting to look at how we are, where our pastures are. Who are we talking to all the time? What are we listening to all the time? And what are we studying all the time? We get so rooted in the daily news and the grind, we start to wear down and not see the other things that will affect us positively. We are a, by nature, humanity is not evil. The elites want us to believe we're evil. The elites want us to believe that we hate each other, that we're divided by race, that we'll kill each other going down the road anytime. And we know that's not true. But that's part of their pasture control system. They're keeping us within these areas. And as we continue to spin around that pasture, we're just creating a mud bog that will not regenerate. Now, if you've seen overgrazing for a cattle, and we did have some on a, on a lower 24 acres that we had, the cattle overgrazed this last year. So we've taken them off of that pasture for the entire year. And it's giving that pasture a time to rest and a time to regenerate. And in the process, there's going to be some reseeding and to encourage it and to push it along as we've had very good water this year and we'll see a good regeneration, then we'll get a good hay cut, we'll do it again, and we'll get that pasture back to full strength. That's like topics in the news. These topics after a while can wear us down. And so it's a pivot that we have to make it sometimes to move away from that base of, for example, headline news and current events, which have we can have little effect on other than our local community and reposition ourselves so we're focused in other things that are more nourishing and fulfilling to our mind, our body, and our soul. We have to approach life this way. And unfortunately, in this paradigm of insanity that we're living in, they're trying to prevent us from doing that. 
And it's easy to do since so many people are detached from the land these days and don't understand the normal processes of nature. Now, with this, in regenerative and holistic management of, of fields, there's also other components in this. We have to be adaptive. It's a big one. It means that as you're going along and if you notice that one of the fields is getting overgrazed or isn't growing well, you may have to move the, your cattle or your herd sooner. If you end up in a field that is growing so fast and it's, and it's not getting enough grazing, you may have to move them there and let them sit a little bit longer. You have to pay attention to what's actually going on in your environment. Now, in a social media realm, that's difficult to do because we tend to be very monofocused. We, we create these vertical stovepipes of where we think, where we operate, where we live. And in so doing, what is happening here is that we are living in a world where we're being shaped by the very stovepipes that the elites have created. And we already have seen this happen. From the bots to the censorship to the other things that are going on, they are intentionally manipulating, and AI is not going to make it any better, to try to channel our thinking and channel our social groups so that we're all in these echo chambers that they can see but we can't. We've got to break past our echo chambers. We have to get past that limit of our echo chambers and get into bridging with other groups, and we have to do more of it. Now, as when, you're, when our main mission here on earth, literally, as believers and as we walk with Christ is not only to heal, but to bring people the good word and bring them to Jesus, that shouldn't be a big issue, but it is. Because of the nature of these stovepipes, they become like steel fences that, that protect, a, a, protect a particular pasture, or even worse, like electrified fences that we don't want to cross. The cattle can be contained actually fairly easily in a field. They don't need to have a massive fence structure. Once they understand the power of a good electric fence, it doesn't take but a couple of strands if you need to set up a temporary pasture to keep them in. They're conditioned, they're trained, they understand it. Now, mind you, you take a bull that has sees some heifers on the other side and he's excited to be with them. I don't care if you have a woven wire fence or if you've got a five, five wire bob wire fence or, or you have an electric fence, that bull will probably find its way through. He's going to be that stubborn and that motivated. Let's put it that way. But in the fact of the matter is that as we move forward with all of this, we have to start being aware of how they are managing us. We are being managed like a herd of cattle. And we're being managed in the worst possible range practices that anybody could do. The electric fence keeps the cattle in, and we, unless they want to push through it, because it's only one or two wires. But we are complying to everywhere that electric fence is. We've been well conditioned. That was part of the whole censorship war was to condition us, to shape our language, to limit what we would say, to be cautious about what we would say online, to be afraid of losing our accounts of being deplatformed. The whole thing with COVID was to train people to be obedient to the state, to give in to whatever they say and whatever fear they can generate that should wear a mask, which then led to the willful acceptance of the injection. And what's done, the destruction is made. Yes, there's regret. Yes, there's awakening coming. Yes, there's people coming out of this. But unless we begin to really stand up and challenge these narratives and start looking at us as the solution rather than them, we're going to continue to be herded by the worst people that could ever hurt anybody. 
because they don't want any good for us. They enjoy watching the herd slowly degrade and die. Imagine yourself as a rancher. Imagine having the stewardship responsibility of a herd of cattle. It can be sheep, it can be pigs, whatever you're raising. But let's take the cattle. And let's say that you find that it, your joy coming from the fact that you've kept the cattle on the same pasture, the pasture has been trampled down, the pasture no longer sustains much life because the grass can't get going in the midst of all of this mud and the constant stepping on them with the hooves. You're going to feed them, say, once a week with a big bale roll, and you are slowly watching their health degrade. You see them get a little bit skinnier, a little bit weaker, start to see maybe one of the mama cows get lame, maybe then it's another, start to see the young ones get thin and weak, they start to go a little bit crazy, and slowly you watch a herd that is emaciated and slowly dies off. And that type of mentality is exactly what they're seeing of humanity. The difference is between someone who's a who has any sort of compassion is if you see that, you immediately take action. You're going to start either feeding them, rotating them off the pasture. You're going to start giving them supplements. You're going to maybe even have to sell off your herd. That's a lot of what happened last year in the drought is that the farmers or the ranchers sold off huge chunks of their herds. Why? Because they couldn't maintain the health of the herd. They weren't going to let their animals die. So they brought them to slaughter and they took what money they could get out of them and then they retained back the best genetics that they had and they would begin a rebuilding cycle so that those animals would not suffer. These leaders don't do that sort of thing. They enjoy watching the herd, which is the people, slowly die, emaciate and collapse, become retarded, become dumb, become affected with disease, become affected with physical maladies, that's part of their pleasure because everything for them is about themselves. And so what they start to teach us in this process is they start to condition humanity to believe that it's you or nothing. You have to worry about yourself. We can't worry in, in order to survive. Otherwise, no one's going to worry about it for you. But at the core of this is a real lost understanding of regenerative thinking, of stewardship and conservation. And what it is, is it's a principle of how what we might call societal welfare. That's not welfare like you're thinking about, but the collectiveness of the body of society that actually has a care for one another, not individualism. Would you hear this piece from an Italian guy? It's about four minutes. It's a very good perspective on Italian culture versus American culture. Here we go. The one thing I will never understand here, how people keep on telling me how I'm privileged and here and there and this and that. Oh, because I have family. Guys, let me explain to you how Italian culture works, which is one thing that I don't know why in America they don't teach you. And this is probably why you have one of the highest depression rates and solitude rates in the world. Guys, in Italy, we have something that we call um, societal welfare, social welfare, aka every single person has a network of people that helps each other out on different levels. You have psychological problems, you always have somebody to talk to. Family helps each other. Family raises you, but then you take care of them. So the perfect example I can give to you, in Italy, we take care of the elders all the way to the end. We take care of them in our houses. 
you guys push them in a retirement home. That is the saddest thing in the world. You call it privilege because your society taught you about individualism. Probably because your society wants to control you. Because there's one way you control people is to keep them isolated. One by one, alone, let them see some kind of information, let me dogmatize them and let me control them. What you call privilege in Italy is normality. If your society is messed up, it's not my fault. Before criticizing on the foundation of Italian society, which is the societal caution, Look at your own, where you incentivize single families. There are literally tax incentives for single parents. As if society wants you to separate. Guys, the only way for you to come out and to break a vicious cycle is to create a community around you that you can lift up with you. Ever wonder why some of the richest cultures in the world act exactly this way? You know exactly what I'm talking about. But in some cultures, when one person makes money, another 20 made money with him or with her. These kinds of cultures have been running for centuries, even millennia. But somehow, some marketing genius convinced you that everything you do here has to be alone. Which on one side is beautiful. Individualism and personal growth and everything is a beautiful thing. But also knowing that you can rely on a substrate of people that create this caution for an entire community is a beautiful thing. Combine the two and you can create something magnificent. And this is not privilege, this is common sense, guys. Read some history, understand, look at people, look at society, look at the problems, look at better societies, look at the general happiness in other cultures, look at why they're happier, and then understand. But before commenting on a single person as privileged because of something that is embedded in his culture, because what I just described is embedded in Italian culture as well as Spanish and many other Mediterranean cultures, look within and figure out your own society. Ciao. You see, patriots, they've really destroyed some of the foundations of what is the greatest strength of humanity. They have managed to convince everybody that the smart thing to do is to cast your parents off into a retirement home. And that goes two ways because parents often see themselves as a burden and you're like, well, we won't be a burden. We'll go off to a retirement home. So we lose the connection of an extended family. They have convinced people to give their children off to the state indoctrination camps. Those aren't public schools. They're indoctrination camps. And with that, there's this unwillingness or inability to control the way the child's decisions are, which is we're at peak stupid on that one right now. Literally children saying that I want to go through a transition and if the parents dare say no, then in states like Washington, California, and even potentially Oregon, and there's probably others, the state can intervene and take the child away. All of this has been central around destroying the strength of the societal communities, which humanity thrives on doesn't mean you can't be strong as an individual, but it means that you they're taking away the foundations which we live by. Now, probably one of the more difficult moments in raising cattle is when you have to pull the young calf from the mother. And the mother will bellow very often all night, even for a day or two, looking for their calves. It's a difficult moment that is done to get the calves away from. And there's different practices. Some people don't believe in doing it. Some people let the calves naturally wean. That's one process. Others do it to strengthen the calves. And But typically you do it in a group of calves so there, there is at least still a community around the animals. Again, these are stewardship practices, conservation practices. And the principle of the land and the animal go hand in hand. 
we're living in a world right now where we're kind of living in an ethereal space. We spend a lot of time focused on issues that we cannot control. And beyond just the news and the reporting, we tend to let those ideas filter into us. We have been very isolated and separated, and COVID was another big victory for them. The COVID con was to actually axe and put division between families, where there's truly hatred over a simple issue of common sense. There was no room for discussion about the, the injection because people bought into the lie. They accepted the narrative of fear, and in so doing, they walked into the trap. This moment that we're in in humanity is at a critical one. And it's one that I've talked about a great deal over the last four years. And by the way, this month is the fourth year. This is the four-year anniversary this week of Bards FM podcast. And with that, by the way, we achieved 38 million downloads. Podcast that four years ago had 100 followers. This week, we hit 38 million downloads. So thank you very much. But the point is that we're at a point, we're at a place right now where there are a solid group of people. Maybe it's the 20% that didn't take the vax. Maybe it's even higher than that of people that have left the cult of thinking that led them to take the vax. But we have a decision ahead of us that's as big or bigger than anything we've ever faced. And that's the decision now of whether we are going to walk with the state and, and bow to their compliance or whether we're going to work together to start thinking in terms of a world where we can live with stewardship conservation. We can start thinking in terms of regenerating the pure greatness of humanity, and it's not being obedient to them. We have to make that decision now. We have to start reflecting on what the boundaries are, those electric fences that we're convinced that will shock us, even though the power is off, that keep fooling us to stay in the same pasture and to wear it down over and over and not letting it regenerate. We have to start thinking past the simple idea that they're going to dictate where we sit, where we graze, and how we think, and what, what we put into our heads. And we have to start thinking greater, working together to overcome problems. I've said this very often, and I mean this, as if I had, could take a chunk of Bard's Nation and I could stick it in a county, we'll say, take my county, for example, and we could work together and solve and address the challenges that are facing us from energy to food to housing for the homeless, re regeneration of, the, of those that are on the streets and addicted to drugs, creating new jobs, creating a sustainable lifestyles that will be in balance and harmony with nature, and at the same time providing what each person needs for wealth, sustainment, housing, those sorts of things. I would argue that we could probably solve most of those problems and have action items in place and moving within a year to 18 months. But the one thing I didn't mention intentionally was that any government would be involved. Government is not for us. It is to repress us, to control us, to suppress us. Global corporations are not for us. They are in terms of enslavement and extracting wealth and your labor and your intellectual property for their benefit. Human beings were not designed to live that way. And it's one of the reasons that we're seeing such a breakup and fracturing of society because we've lost that true foundation of what it is to live in a world centered on stewardship and conservation. Stewardship and conservation is not just for the soil. It's for the soul. It's for who we are as humanity. 
And as we start to look at our world differently and start to apply the lessons that are very common in good agriculture practices, good ranching practices, we start to reflect differently on ourselves and see the great potential that we have ahead. And we stop believing the garbage that they feed us. Put yourself in the place of the bull for a minute. This is a true story, in fact. I'll share it with you. Last year, we brought in a bull into the property. We had just finished putting in a woven wire fence along the west side of the property. And it's a, it was a heavy-duty fence with two strands of bob wire and a hot wire in there. Obviously, the confidence was that this bull could not get out. There would be no problem. But we did factor in one thing. The cows that he was with were all pregnant. They had no interest in the bull. But the heifers on the other side of the fence that weren't ours were all very happy to see the bull and be heifers and entice him in any way they possibly could. Now, I will tell you that a determined bull does not care whether you have a woven wire fence and two strands of bob wire and a hot wire. He doesn't care when he's got about nine or 10 lassies over there calling on him and probably more. I think it was more like about 15 that all were very anxious to invite him over to be part of the party. And he decided to take a little venture across the way. And he did just that. He went right through that fence like butter. Now, obviously we're, we're not encouraging humanity to become a horny bull, but the fire and righteousness of living free should be the equivalent of that for every one of us. We should be so mighty in who we are, so determined for what we're going to do that no fence can keep us in. And I'll tell you, I admire that bull because nothing stopped him. He just decided to go where he was going to go. And I just kind of laughed. It's like, well, there's a good lesson. In fact, it was a great lesson because we talked to the guy that was running cattle over there and he was very gracious about it. He, didn't, he, he understood He's like, he's a bull. I've got heifers. What do you expect? So actually what he did in working with us is he agreed that as we are working through this summer, he's only going to put steers over there and he'll keep the heifers on another land, on another lease he has. That's super helpful. That's also part of this idea of working together to solve a problem. Look how quickly that problem was solved. I could have spent thousands more dollars in trying to reinforce a fence. Instead, all it took was a discussion with the neighbor we all understood the general nature of the problem. He thought it was funny. We thought it was, we were, I was a little awkward because of the fact that our bull got into his area. He didn't care. And he's like, well, we'll just change. We'll just, if you, we'll move him around a bit. So we moved him onto another property for a little while. And then as he rolled his cattle out, he put in steers. And now, thank goodness, the bull's not gay. And he's very interested in staying with the heifers, even though they're pregnant. And then he got his opportunity to have his fun this last winter. And he got them all pregnant. So there you go. Well, the point of all this, Patriots, is that we all are being limited by the fencing that they're putting us on. And we're all overgrazing the, the pasture that we're being put on. Is the process, we can see what happens. We are looking around this world and witnessing the outcomes of this. What's happening? We're seeing humanity descend into hateful activities. We're seeing children losing hope and faith in who they are, being overwhelmed by the smallest little things and wanting to commit suicide. We're seeing children mutilate themselves. We're seeing parents go along with it. 
the spiritual nutrition of who we are has been so heavily depleted that people are now starting to fall. And they're falling by their own hand, and they're doing it by their free will. And the whole point of that is that these elites are loving every bit of it. Again, they are the type of ranchers that enjoy watching their cattle whittle away and die by starvation. That's who's managing us. So the question is really for us is, what are we going to do? Are we going to continue to walk this path and let them dictate how we live, how we graze, what pastures we're on? Or are we going to do what God told us we should do, that we were given authorities to do, and assume control over this land, start working together, breaking down the walls, start realizing that those boundaries that they're putting before us are really just electric hot wires without any electricity. That we can, even with the determination, even if the fence is a woven wire fence with two strands of bob wire and an electric hot wire, if we are living with the passion that that bull had, we're going to go right through it and not care. Because nothing will hold us in from the freedom and sovereignty in which we're given. And in the process, as we do this, we're going to start finding amazing regeneration within us. Just like the holistic and regenerative agriculture model, as the cattle move along to these subpastures or paddocks, what's going to be happening here is they're going, to, they're going to find greater health. They're also going to be calmer, by the way. As you move cattle around, they get used to being moved around. They're, it's good for them, and they enjoy finding the new fields to graze. That's like finding new mental stimulus and new things to create, new problems to overcome. We have control over all of that. And the only question is whether we're going to have the courage to do it. So from a simple place of ranching and farming, we learn some of the greatest lessons in life. And it's something really now that we as humanity need to take a step back and really realize that there's probably some real good wisdom on why so many things in the Bible, in our stories, are tied to agriculture and animal stewardship. Time to reread the word time to reflect on who we are, time to re-energize that righteous fire that's within us, and time to take a stand and let and quit letting these people steer us to our death. There's no reason we should be penned in. We're actually the ones that are supposed to be running the show. But these fools convinced us otherwise. Let's pray. Father God, we are grateful for this time that we come here today and each day, humbled before you and humbled for all that you give us, blessed by the bounty that continues to flow our way, blessed by the opportunities, the wisdom that you continue to flow upon us. Father, in this time, very difficult time, when so many things are happening at once, we often forget the simplest of things. We forget that the wire that holds us in is just an illusion, that the fence that stands before us is nothing more than an easy push through. But we let that hem us in. We let ourselves be kept in to a single pasture and to slowly wither and die. Father, we pray tonight for the courage and for the sight. Courage to stand boldly with a righteousness of fire, to push through whatever barriers are before us and and to be ungovernable, to be uncontrollable, and to be unrestrained. And Father, we also pray for eyes to see, eyes to see more clearly, to discern what's before us and not be pulled away and distracted or convinced that somehow they have us when 
in fact, we have them. So, Father, we just pray for that powerful rejuvenation and regeneration of the spirit of righteousness within the hearts of all. With eyes truly to see clearly and discern what's before us and the spirit to keep moving and never be held back. Guide us and protect us. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. You know, Patriots, as a side note on this as we close tonight, Fridays, as I've told you many times, is bended knee is a is prayer Fridays. And each week we continue to have testimonies into the miracles of prayer, cancer being cured. Today we got word that baby Dakota that's been in an ICU because she was a premature baby has now, her lungs have grown and she's now in, she was in her grandmother's arms for three hours today. First time she's been held. All of this is stemming from prayer. I point this out because one of the simple examples of how we get hemmed in is we're often told, unfortunately, too often at the pulpits, that these ideas of healing and the true power of casting out demons and raising the dead and doing greater works than he, which were, those were authorities given to us by Christ. Somehow that's not for us. I don't know how that works, but somehow that's not for us. We're also given this illusion that somehow prayer too often has to be hands-on. We're breaking and destroying every one of those paradigms every Friday. We're coming together. We're opening our hearts. We're praying. We often don't even know the actual name of the person because they use screen names, which is fine with me. And yet, the testimonies come in every week of the miracles of what's happening. God's miracles happening on this earth. Why? Because we're not letting any of the social paradigms limit what we believe. If we can do that with prayer as humanity, this world can change literally in an instant. The thing is, we have to start believing in who we are and understanding that there is no way that these people are going to limit us. The numbers on paper don't even make sense. When you look at how many people are in this global community of humanity and how few of these overlords are exercising their power through threat and intimidation, it makes no sense at all that these people should be ruling us. And the other part about it, which is so important, is even though they may enjoy watching the human herd be depleted and slowly die off, they still need us. There's a truth. Their institutions don't work without us, at least not yet. Those are powerful realities to embrace and to understand that in the power of defiance and united, there is nothing they can do to contain us. And in the end, we win, they lose, as it should be. So Patriots, keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil, never relent, always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We're at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I hope you have a blessed weekend. Hope to see you tonight at Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, 
support any friend, oppose any foe, to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made. Therefore, they can be solved by man. And man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit have often solved the seemingly unsolvable. And we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples. It has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. We push, we climb, we never give in, we become the nightmare that evil didn't know exist. We pray, we stand, we live by the words, in God we trust, we fear nothing, 
we are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath.